Well, we're in this series called Parenting Hacks. I love this tagline. How to raise your kids without losing your mind. And all the parents said, help me, Lord. Hey, I, 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 I like the story I've told before about uh, my, my wife, Casey, one day when she's going to be away from the house, and, and I was there holding down the fort. As Pastor mentioned, we have six kids, and I don't remember what Casey was going to do, going shopping or just being away, whatever it was. But, man, I was determined that I was going to make sure that our kids had a lot of fun, and we had a great day. So I said, hey, we're going to play some games together. What do you want to play? They said, let's play hide-and-seek. I said, deal, let's play it. And so while they were counting, I went upstairs. I got in the closet. I closed the door. I'm back in the corner, and I'm just thinking, ah, it'll take them a while to find me. You know, this is going to be pretty good. They'll probably give up. I don't know. And so as I'm quietly trying to avoid, I can hear them going through the house, you know, looking for opening doors, closing doors. But then my cell phone started ringing. I was like, oh, no, it's going to give me away. And I look down, and I'm about to hit decline, and it's my wife Casey calling. And so now I'm in a dilemma because I'm like, man, it's my wife. She may need me. This could be important. But if I answer, it could give me away. So I hit decline. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't look at me like that. Come on. I answered the call and I said, hey, what do you need? I'm in the closet hiding from the kids. (laughs) Without skipping a beat, she said, I totally get it. I do that all the time. I was like, what? what are you talking? No, I, I'm playing hide and seek. She goes, oh, I just do it for a brain break. Come on, how many parents know that sometimes you just need a brain break? You just need a bag of chips, some chocolate, and a closet. We can go and just like, Lord, could you just watch them for a couple of hours? You know, you just want to pull away. <laughs> Out of all the challenges in my life, raising our children would be uh, by far the most difficult, yet it's also the most important And it certainly is the most rewarding. We have a responsibility from God to parent in a way that helps our children to become all that God has created them to be. I like the way that responsibility is communicated in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Look at it. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's huge. It's more important than a career. It's more important than anything else. And and yet, let me be clear right out of the gate that none of us are perfect parents. None of us bat a thousand. As a matter of fact, if you're a parent and you have made a parenting mistake, I want you to raise your hand. Come on, raise it up and just keep it up. Keep it up. Look around the room. Look around the room. If you're seated next to somebody who doesn't have their hand up, it's because they've never been a parent before. All right? You can put your hands down. We've all made mistakes. Some of you through this series, perhaps you've been battling discouragement. Maybe you're already just aware of the fact of of how you haven't measured up or you haven't hit the mark. And the devil wants to get into your head. The enemy wants to condemn you. But I want to remind you that condemnation is never from God. Condemnation in whatever area of your life is always from the devil. So don't listen to his lies. Don't allow discouragement to set in. Instead, you got to look at it and go, I may not be able to do anything about my past, but I can learn from it and be better for the future. Even if, as we're talking about today, the phases of parenting, maybe you've already passed a, a, a certain season or phase and, and you didn't handle things very well there, and so now you're reaping the results of that today. And 
maybe even have your children who are, who are grown and they're adults now and, and you have regret or how, how you parented or how you failed at times. But can I remind you that you never stop being a parent and you never have to feel it's too late to be a better one? You can always grow and take advantage of the opportunity to learn and be more effective. So let's jump in and look at the phases of parenting because parenting goes through seasons and we have to make the most of them. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3 1 says there is a time for everything. Somebody say everything. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heaven. There are different seasons. Kind of like here in Oklahoma, you can experience all four seasons in a week. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's spring. No, it's not. Ah, snow coming. You know, you just never know what it's going to be like. Well, so it is in life, so it is in parenting that there are seasons, and the seasons will overlap at times. They will lead one to another. Let me just state what the seasons are that we'll be looking at together today because we need to parent effectively. And if we're going to do that, we have to pay attention to the seasons so we can parent accordingly. First phase we're going to look at is the discipline phase, those who uh, are in the ages of zero to five. Then we're going to look at the, the training phase, and that's going to be five to 12. And then we're going to look at the coaching phase. Coaching phase will be 12 to 18. And then the friendship phase would be 18 and beyond. Remember, they will build on one another. They will serve one another. There will be times when they overlap. So it's not like you're going to look at your 12-year-old when they say, Mom, can you help me with such and such? You say, I'm sorry, we've already passed the training years. I'm not able to help you anymore. That's not the way it works. Now, we have six children. So that means we have just about every stage and phase covered all at once. So sometimes I'm confused as even what kind of season I'm supposed to be in as a parent. I'm thinking, haven't we gone over this like a hundred times? And the four-year-old's like, not with me yet. You know, I'm, I'm having to remember that. It's like we haven't covered that yet with him. And so sometimes it's hard to remember. But uh, you know what? I love the timing of this because for a little bit I've been trying to, I've been trying to figure out wonder when the best place would be just to celebrate this and to share some exciting news with you. But Casey and I are really, really excited just to let you know about and to share with you that we are not pregnant right now and expecting a child. Come on, will you put your hands together that Scotty and Casey are not? You're like, man, six children. We just need a breather. You know what I'm saying? Let me go over these phases. The first phase is this one. It's the discipline phase for ages zero to five. When babies come out, they just look so sweet and so innocent and so pure. And you just think, how could this beautiful just bundle of sugar ever need any discipline whatsoever? And, you know, I love it when parents, especially moms, they'll look at their, their little baby and they'll just say, she's so beautiful come on don't don't act like I'm the only one who at times you're looking at that baby going what 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 happens everything okay like the face off smushed up you know and you're thinking it looks a little more like an alien to me kind of don't don't judge me because know some of y'all think that as well especially if it's not your child but as a pastor you can't say that you know a pastor you go and you visit people and they've just had a baby they're like isn't she beautiful and you're thinking she looks like an alien. I don't know what to say, and, but you can't say that. And so you learn as a pastor how to navigate some things. You learn how to communicate some things. And so now you just go, wow, 
like you just say anything that you can. Because you can't, you can't lie. It's hard to imagine this sweet little Darling, precious, tiny, beautiful baby ever needing discipline. Can I suggest to you today that discipline, according to Scripture, is not a dirty word? That discipline is a word of love. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, we have verses 5 through 11 for context. But for the sake of time, I'm going to jump straight to verse 11 and just read this to you. Discipline is not a dirty word. It's a, a word of love. Listen to verse 11 of chapter 12. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline is a way that God shows his love for his children. Discipline is a way that parents show love for their children. Now, Pastor Herbert's going to be doing an entire message on the subject of discipline in just a few weeks. You don't want to miss a single week of this series. Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, a guardian, whether you're an aunt, uncle, or a school teacher, or a coach, or a mentor, if you have a voice in the life of a child, you want to listen to this, learn from this, and be more effective in investing in them. So don't miss a single week. Even though he's going to be having a whole message on discipline, for the sake of focusing on this stage, there are a couple of quick things I want to hit, and then we'll keep moving. You have to understand that disciplining your children, when it is appropriate discipline, not talking about you looking for biblical you know, support for why you can't control your temper. Oh, man, it got really quiet all of a sudden. Everybody was amen and all that discipline. Now you're like, did he just look at me when he said that? I may have or just maybe the Holy Spirit working on you right now. But this is not supposed to be some type of biblical justification for why you can't control your anger or why you live with a short fuse. As a matter of fact, God wants us to be patient when we're disciplined. As a matter of fact, I think that one of the ways that God teaches us patience the most is by giving us children. Can I get a witness right now? And he apparently thinks I need a lot of patience because he's given me a lot of kids. But when it's appropriate discipline, it's one of the most loving things that you will ever do for your child. And yet while it's loving, it's not easy. Disciplining appropriately is hard work. Taking the easy way out in parenting, I mean the path of least resistance, uh, parenting from the lazy boy chair, if you will. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, where you just rattle the newspaper, hey, you know, doing that, and that means don't make me get up from this chair. You know, you've seen it before, you've heard it before, maybe you've said it before, or come on, some of y'all pop the recliner, you know, don't make me get up, you know, you just the popping of it sends chills down the spines of the children. You don't have to get up, just pop the recliner. To scream, hey, knock it off. Hey, stop that. Don't make me get up. That might be easy in the moment, but we're going to have to work hard if we're going to discipline appropriate and do more than scream and shout, but truly shape the heart of a child. It will be hard work. And you and I can decide what we want. We can work hard on the front end of the phase, or we can work really, really hard in the rest of the phases. But if we're going to do it appropriately, it will take hard work. But it's worth it. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17 says, Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. 
Some of y'all are highlighting that verse right now. You're circling that verse, and you're going, where's my pen? What did he say? Proverbs 29, 17. When you discipline your children, they will give you peace. But if you're not careful, you're just looking at this on the surface, and you think meaning, if I will train them and teach them and discipline them, then I can get some peace and quiet. And you're not even sure what to make of this part right here where it says they will bring you the delights you desire. You're like, I must not be doing something right because they're not bringing me any of the delights that I desire. (laughs) Don't you agree with me that the delight that you and I as parents desire is for our children to live with the hand of God on their lives, the blessing of God, the favor of God? Don't we want to see them live their lives for the glory of our King? I love the way it's worded in 1 John chapter 3 where it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. That's my desire. That's my delight. But they're going to need help with that. They're going to need need discipline to understand that there are are certain choices that lead to reward and certain choices that lead to negative consequences. We have to help them to learn that there's a difference in right and wrong. When you discipline your child for having a bad attitude, when you discipline your child for, for lying, when, when you discipline your child for stealing someone else's toy, they just go over, I want it, and so I took it from you. That's not cruelty. You're doing your best to set them up to win. You're disciplining today so that they don't spend the rest of their lives in prison because they never learn to not take other people's stuff. That's called love. We don't discipline out of anger or frustration. We, we discipline because that's my delight and my desires to know that they're blessed of God. They're going to need to learn between wrong and right. But how many of you know that sometimes it's challenging? Come on, a lot of times it's challenging. Because my children rarely will res- respond by going, you know, Dad, that was a great thought right there. And I just want to say thank you <laughs> for correcting me. I want to say, tell you, Dad, how much that just really helped me. That's changing my perspective on life. And because you're teaching me right and wrong, I just feel, oh, doubly blessed. And I just wanted to say thank you. I don't often, as a matter of fact, I will find that they will push the envelope and they will test the boundaries. Anybody else discovered this? I remember one time when our daughter Candace was about four years old, my wife Casey had said, hey, it's time for you to get in bed. Now, as parents, we know that when our children go to bed, we have just started about a four-hour process. Because they didn't need anything to drink just a few minutes ago. But now they're dying of thirst. They can't swallow. I mean, they're just, they're dying of thirst, right? And, and so on and so on. They have all these creative excuses. And so Casey was done with all the excuses. So she said, do not get out of this bed again. A few minutes later, would you believe it? Lo and behold, Candace was up and she was walking around the house. And Casey went in and said, didn't I tell you to not get out of the bed? And Candace responded and said, yes, ma'am, but I prayed and God said I could get up. (laughs) They'll challenge you. You don't even know what to say sometimes. You're like, did you really tell her she got me? You don't know what to say. They'll get over spiritual and you'll play play the, the, the Trump, the God card, try and trump you. You ever had your children try to play dumb like you're correcting them or something they like they, they had no idea. They weren't supposed to. Like, oh, you know, oh, we don't do that. Oh, okay. You ever had them play dumb? And one time that, uh, well, for a lot of times, like one of the things that we hear in our house, like if I had a nickel for every time we have 
said the words in our house, go wash your hands. Like if I had a nickel for every time, we could pay off the national debt. I'm just telling you, we'd have so much money. Just go wash your hands. Did you wash your hands? Wash your hands. Hey, you're supposed to wash your hands. No, you didn't wash your hands. She washed her hands, but you're supposed to wash your hands. Let me see what I'm saying. Go wash them again. Wash your hands. Like we just always say, go wash your hands. But it's so funny because you'd think that they'd go, hey, wait a minute. You're about to tell me to go wash my hands, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. It doesn't work like that. They wait. And then you tell them, and then the next person's like, well, you were talking to her. You didn't tell me. It's like, come on, just wash your hands. And then they're going to act like this is new. So one time we said to Bria, Bria, did you wash your hands? And she said, what hands? The hands on your arms. She literally goes, oh, no, I didn't wash those hands. What hands did you wash? Why are you going to act like I'm giving you new information right now? Go wash your hands. Discipline will take energy. It will take patience. But we're always to discipline out of love and not anger because it's our desire and our delight that they will learn to make right choices, do things that will lead to blessing. Let me give you the second thing quickly. Not only are we supposed to have the discipline phase, but then we move from 5 to 12 years old into the training phase. Now, each of these stages will build on the other. So if you discipline well in the discipline years, your training years will be much, much easier. This is where in the training years you want to do your best to be proactive in your training. In other words, you can train before and during and after choices and decisions and consequences But man, it is so much better when you train them effectively on the front end. Like on the back end, it's just so much harder. And 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 as parents, like like we're 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 frustrated. They're frustrated. You know, so we say things to them at at times that just don't even make sense. I find myself saying this a lot to go, I'll say, why did you do that? Come on, anybody ever said that to your son or your daughter when they did something dumb or foolish? Why did you do that? Or here's one of my lines. What were you thinking? Come on, anybody ever said that before? What are you thinking? As if I'm expecting them to say, well, Dad, when I, when I started thinking this morning, I thought, God, how can I honor you today? Lord, I, Lord, I'm just thinking my life belongs to you. And then, Dad, I went from that into thinking, what would be the wise choice? But somewhere along the way, Dad, I got off the right path, and, and I don't know where it was. And so what I was thinking was, I was hoping that maybe you could speak into my life and, and show me the error. They've never said that before. What were you thinking? I don't know. See, that's the problem. You weren't thinking. You weren't thinking. And then I tried to give some big, big PowerPoint, just, just like some big truth, as in the moment when they're ashamed or when they're hurt or when they're crying and, they're, and your emotions are worked up, that they're going to hear something and go, thanks, I just received that right now. I, I received that. I'll never do it again. We need time for emotions to calm down, for logic and reason, hopefully to return or Come for the first time, you know, or whatever it be to come into the situation. I mean, it's so much better when we teach, when we train proactively, not just what, but why. I know we can't answer why every single time. Sometimes after the 10th or the 11th, why, why, why? You finally end up saying those words, because I said so, right? We all get there, but let's not start there. Let's start there. Let's train them to think. And we do this in every aspect of our lives. Look at what Deuteronomy says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. It says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is it talking about here in Deuteronomy? God's Word is teaching us that we are to train our children in all aspects of life, tell them about the things of God, teach them about the nature of God, teach them about the will of God, the plan of God, and every single aspect of their lives. During these years, we need to make sure that they are surrounded by faith-filled, God-honoring truths that will serve them throughout their days. Do as much as you can proactively. I remember when we were expecting our first child and Casey and I got together and we mapped out just some things that we said, these are things that we want to train our children to know or to do. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't super sophisticated. It's just one, one document. It's pretty clean, pretty simple that we just went through and said, here's some things that we're hoping to do. We want our kids to love Scripture. Then how are they going to love Scripture? we got to cultivate a love for Scripture. We, we want them to memorize Scripture. We want them to hide the Word of God in their hearts so that they might not sin against Him. We want them to know truth so that they can recognize a lie. We want them to know what the Word of God says so that they can see the difference when the world has something to say. They can say, well, I don't follow the world in its ways. This is what God's Word. We wanted them to know the Bible. And so what you have to do is that age-appropriate ways and times, as you're going all along life's way, you're giving them those truths. You're giving them God's Word. You're teaching them about the things of God. And so you don't start off and say, well, since you're three, you know, you, you can't even read yet. So we'll just save the Bible because obviously you can't know the Bible until you read the Bible. You can't read until you can read. So we're not going to. No, you go ahead and just whatever age you start like surrounding them with age appropriate. Casey does great with this, getting like the word of God placed to little songs, fun songs. And I love hearing my children sing the word of God. I love hearing my four-year-old son in an opposite side of the house at the top of his lungs singing out songs about the things of God it blesses me because I'm going it's getting into his heart it's getting into his spirit as you go along the way Deuteronomy is saying when you're sitting at home when you're out for a walk talk about the things of God so whether you're driving in the car and, and singing along with some songs that would teach them about the things of God or, or if you're in the grocery store and there's some scene, maybe a, a family that's arguing or, or parents shouting at kids and instead of rolling your eyes and you see your kids like fixated on this, like what's going on, you can teach them, you know what, when our family goes through a hard time, we just pray and ask God for help because we need it. Any moment that you have, teach, train. When they come home from school and there's been a conflict, there's been a problem. They tell you about some type of a, a, a problem on the playground. Listen, most parents are like, who did? They said, what to you? I'll punch them silly. Don't they ever talk to my little sweetie? Like That's a lot of times what our reaction is. Your teacher did what? Well, you just wait till mama goes up there tomorrow, and I'll just see what she has to think. That's how we respond. What if instead we came back to the Word of God? It says sometimes we won't understand authority, but God says we're supposed to always honor authority. Let's pray right now for your teacher. She may be going through a hard time. You are training your child in the way they should go. You're doing the God thing, even though at times it's a difficult thing. And can I say that one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself as a parent is to get your son or your daughter to PC Kids, the People's Church Kids area, at all of our campuses. While the adults meet together for a service, the, the, the boys and the girls are in the, the kids area. And that's not just some, like, uh, 
uh, idle time in there to where it's like, okay, kids going there while all the real stuff, you know, is taken care of. We learn about God, and here it's just babysitting in there. No, don't you understand that, that those kids' workers are in there teaching them about the Word of God? Don't you know they're in there teaching them about the things of God? Our young people right now are learning. Our children are learning right now about God's love. Matter of fact, during the parenting series, they're right now learning how to uh, tame their attitude, how to control their attitudes. Come on, parents. You should be shouting right now like, yes, Lord. Let's just, just stop and pray. Let miracles happen in the kids' area right now. And so we, we have things like that because we want to bless you. As a matter of fact, on the People's Church app. You can download the app, and one of the features on the app is that there's a parent's guide on there that will help you not only know what they're learning in there, but how you can talk about it in the car, how you can talk about it on the way home. But you got to know that no matter what's happening in the church or at the school, their greatest introduction to Jesus and who God is can come through your life. Whether it's an accurate picture or not, they're learning about their view of God by watching your life. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 is one of the most applicable verses in all of Scripture for us as parents. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 where it says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In other words, I've got to work really, really hard to make sure that I am consistent. I'll, I'll not be perfect, but I want to be consistent in my walk with the Lord, which means we don't wake up on Sunday mornings and say, are we going to church today? See, if you have your kids saying, are we going today? That's an indication to me. Something is not right if they think that we get up on Sunday morning and we take a vote or we have to see, are we going today? Well, I don't know. Let me check the weather. I don't know. Let me check what's on the TV. I don't know. Let me check and see who's playing today. We've just communicated through our lives. God is a part of our life, but he's not the priority in my life. What are we training them to do? Hey, son, hello, daughter. As you grow up in life, always make sure that church is important as long as there's nothing else that's more important. We lead by example. They're watching you. They're learning from you. Can I tell you that some of the most uh, impacting moments of parenting and some of the most destructive uh, practices that we can do as parents at times happen 15 minutes after church is over on a Sunday and we get in the car and we're driving home. They've been hearing about God's love. They've been hearing about forgiveness or they've been hearing about grace or they've been hearing about worship and then they get in the car and mom and dad are having a conversation. Can you believe he preached on that? I didn't think he'd ever stop talking. I mean, whatever it is. Little Johnny, little Susie, they're tuning in. They're listening. They're watching. Man, that one song that they do, that song drives me crazy. Me too. I don't like that song either. I like that one song, though. That, oh, now that one I like. That one had my toe tapping right there. I like, they, they listen. They're listening. You say, oh, I don't know. And as you're critiquing, you're saying, son, daughter, here's what you do. When you go to church, you kind of go just to see if it's what you like that day. You go to see if this is what I wanted. Oh, that isn't what I wanted here. I like it when the other girl leads. Yeah, she can sing. That one dude, he can't sing his way out of a wet paper bag. No, he can't. I tell you what, he can't hit that note. Why was he trying to hit that note? What you're saying is, son, daughter, as you grow up, when you go to church, see if you like it. Focus on the things that you don't. But what would happen if on the way home they get in the car and they hear mom and dad saying, I needed that today. 
As soon as I walked into that place, I felt Jesus. I just love the church. Man, as soon as we started worshiping, I just felt my burdens lifting because I was reminded that God is bigger than our problems. Even if, you, even if you have a sermon, maybe it doesn't hit right where you are that day. You could say that to him. That wasn't for me. Yeah, me either. That didn't apply to you. You could say that. Or you could say, you know what? Even though we're not going through a storm right now, pastor preached on storms, that was a word. I'm holding tight to that because that word's going to anchor us when we bump into something in the future. That was a word from God today. Do you see the difference? You're training, you're teaching, and they will shape their understanding of God by how they view your life. Live consistently by honoring God with your words. If you want to teach them and train them, learn to listen to them, communicate with them, talk with them early and often, and they'll talk to you later and openly, share with them. A lot of times young people feel like my parents don't understand me. Listen, when you care about what your young person cares about, when you win their hearts, when you build a bridge to where they are and the pain that they're going through, the confusion that they're going through, they will know that you're a safe place that they can share. They won't shut you out. And let me just give you this thought, and I'll move on, but it's this. He who spends the most time wins. So you want to have influence? You want to train your children? It takes time. There's no substitute for time. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's not just time correcting. It's time together. It's shared memories. It's encouraging them left and right. So when you correct them, those words will fall on fertile soil. Make sure you make the most of those 5 to 12 years. Here's the third stage and phase, and it's this. It's the coaching phase, ages 12 through 18. This is the stage where you're still very involved, but you begin to gradually provide more and more space for them to develop their own minds, their own thoughts. Give them freedom to implement what you've poured into them in the first two stages. Give them an opportunity. Listen, as they start hitting the stage of 12 to 18, they begin to, it's natural, it's God-wired, pre-wired this way, that they will begin to shape their own forms and opinions. Don't be offended when they don't think just like you. Don't be offended when they want to process something that you said because they want to understand it. You need to train them to think on their own. Come on, don't you know it would be weird if one day he's 40 years old and married and his wife says something, she's like, I think, and he goes, well, hold on, let me call my mom and ask her what I'm supposed to think come on don't you know that's going to be weird hey mom what should I do she's going to say well you need to grow up you need to be a man but you didn't teach him to think on his own you didn't teach him to think independent you didn't teach him to say problem solve learn to work through it that's what happens in the coaching phase you're close enough to give counsel and advice but let them play let them work it out yes let's process together Sure, I'll share my perspective, but I would rather allow them. You say, what if they're going to make a wrong decision? I would rather them have a crash on their bicycle when they're 12 than in their car when they're 20. Because I didn't give them a chance to learn and experience a few bumps and bruises. As the parent, man, we want to catch every single, we want to avoid every single scratch. It's not always best. I wouldn't say, let's go stage something that would be painful. This is for his own good, Mildred. But it's a cliff. It'll make a man out of him. No, you don't do that. But I'm just saying, let them think independently and then say, if that's what you feel, give it a try. You might know in your mind that's not going to work out. But when they come back, say, well, what would you learn from? At least you made a decision, but you learned something. What will you do next time? That's what happens at the coaching phase. And can I encourage you to focus on attitudes over actions? See, a lot of times when we're lazy in our parenting, 
As long as we get the action, we'll overlook the attitude. We say, go clean your room. They stomp off and they slam the door. And we're like, I'm just glad they're cleaning their room. Be careful. Be careful. Because if you get the right attitude, you will get the right action. So you always parent the attitude. And what you're doing is, like, you're in a season. When you're in this season of 12 to 15, you've got all kinds of emotions going on. Can we just say teenagers are emotional? Can I get a witness right now? Anybody agree? They're wrestling with their feelings. They're wrestling with their thoughts. They're growing up. And what you do is, is that you're close enough to speak into it, but help them to know how to deal with their attitudes, not just actions. With what they're feeling. Why? Because we want to show them and help grow them so that they grow up listening to their feelings so they're in tune with their emotions but not driven by their emotions, not led by their emotions, and they don't make decisions off of their emotions. We're training attitudes. We're training a spirit. Encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage them. Coaches, great coaches are great encouragers and great parents will be as well. This is the final point and I'm going to close. This is the final phase and it's this. It's the friendship phase. You know, before I hit this friendship phase, let me say something on that, that last phase on, on the teenage years right there that we just looked at. I told you get your kids to PC Kids, right, in the kids area. If you have junior high or high school students you need to get them to Epic Student Ministries. Some of y'all are like, bro, is this just like one big infomercial this morning on all the programs that you got going on here? No, here's why I'm telling you this. None of these programs were designed because we were bored as a leadership team. I don't know. You want to start a youth ministry? You ain't got nothing else to do. Why don't you just go and start? No, these are all in response to needs that the family has. And here's what will happen. In the student ministry, the student ministry would be echoing the things that you and I as parents are teaching our children, and we need that echo. Is it just me, or have you discovered that you can say something a hundred times, and then, I don't know if that's true, I don't know if I want to do that, I don't know, but then a friend or somebody else says it, and they're like, that's a brilliant idea, you know, that's a really good, have you ever had that happen before? I've had my kids come home from youth group on a Wednesday night and say, Dad, it is so awesome. You won't believe what they said. And it will be something so basic, so elementary. Dad, it just it changed my life. They said that God loves me. I'm thinking, you know what? I want to slap you right now. That's what I want to do. I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I poured into your life. Let me ask you this. Did Pastor Bo ever change your diapers? No, he didn't change the diapers. No. No. Did the youth pastor feed you for the last 18 years? No, they didn't feed you. But, oh, they're going to come in here and say, Jesus loves you. And all of a sudden you believe it. It drives me crazy. But I'll say this, I just want them to live for God. And if the student ministry is going to echo everything that I'm trying to do to teach them about the things of God, I don't care if they hear it from me or a youth leader or a kids worker. As long as it clicks and they receive it, I say, thank you, Jesus. Get your young people to Epic Student Ministries on Wednesday nights. Now I'm closing. Friendship phase, and it's simply this. It's just a wrap-up because if we work hard in the first three phases, we'll be richly rewarded in this fourth and this final one. This one's 18 and beyond, the friendship phase. My dad is one of my best friends on planet Earth. I would rather be at my dad's house watching a football game with my dad than in any stadium in America just because he's my friend. Oh, he's my dad. He'll always be my dad. And he'll be the first to tell you he didn't bat a 1,000. It's not that my dad was perfect along the way, but he loved me. He was intentional. He disciplined me. He trained me. He coached me. And now here we are on this side of it, and he's my friend. 
I'm watching that happen with my own children as my oldest daughter, Candace, will be 17 this fall. And can I just be honest with you? I don't even remember the last time I had to discipline her. I honestly don't remember. It's been years. There's still some training that goes on, but it's minimal. There's still some coaching from time to time, but you know what I feel our, our relationship doing? Moving into the friend stage, and I love it. The deep chats that we're having, the conversations, and I cannot tell you how much it blesses me whenever she chooses to come and share with me what she's feeling, what she's going through. Not even necessarily because she needs any teaching or training or coaching. She just wanted to share with her dad something that happened at school. That blesses me beyond all get out. What a, what a true gift when our kids choose to come and hang out with us years after they've moved out of the house. That's my goal. That's my prayer. I know it is for you too as a parent. And, and yet I just want to say one final time as we close that don't beat yourself up. If you just right now are reminded of how you don't have that or you didn't get that, by the grace of God, we can grow and we can be better today. We need all the help that we can get. Really and truly, when I talk about the programs like the kids program, when we talk about the youth program, or, or even earlier you heard them talking about growth track and, and the campus host, we'll share some details on that in a few minutes. The reason we do growth track is because we want you to grow in God. I want you to be a better parent. I want you to be a better husband, better wife, better college student. That's why we do what we do. We want to help you. If you haven't been through growth track, it's right after service. You need to jump in and go. They'll give you details. I'm just telling you, it will help you. But for all of us, we can close in prayer today just by saying, Lord, I'm asking for your help. Help me to parent. Help me to be the grandmother. Help me to be the guardian. Help me to be the aunt, the uncle. Help me to be the coach, the brother, sister that you've called me to be. Help me to use my voice to make a difference in somebody else's eternity.